Maitland means a queue that extends right back to uh, Ottery this morning. Just want to take you back to Pretoria. I think I might have left, left this one out. The N1 South, that earlier collision before the R21, uh, means traffic's backed up all the way to Stormful Road and looking pretty heavy for Monday morning. Rob Byrne, AM Live, Traffic Watch. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Eight minutes after eight. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we are discussing South Africa's participation in the African Growth and Opportunity Act, AGOA. Now, U.S. President Barack Obama has issued a stern warning to South Africa, threatening suspension if local goods into the U.S. Um, if we do not finalize an agreement within 60 days. The action follows a dispute over U.S. chicken and meat exports, citing that South Africa has missed an October 15 deadline to agree on new animal health and food safety rules. On the forum date this morning, we are asking, do we understand what this uh, Goa agreement actually entails? And here's what uh, the uh, U.S. ambassador to South Africa, Patrick Gaspard, had to say on this matter. During the past year, I have worked closely with leaders in government and industry in both countries to resolve the long-standing barriers to U.S. trade with South Africa, particularly with regard to American poultry, pork, and beef. The U.S. arrived at the difficult decision to suspend certain AGOA benefits for South Africa only after many months of discussions. While the United States and South Africa have made significant progress in resolving outstanding issues, our trade in all three meats remains blocked. I am optimistic that that the two sides will resolve the few remaining issues that would allow trade to resume and hope that this will happen before the changes go into effect in 2016. We see enormous potential to strengthen our trade and investment ties with South Africa, which we believe could create significant numbers of new jobs and spur economic growth. This is Ambassador Patrick Gaspard. And he is, of course, uh, the United States Ambassador to South Africa. And joining us for the conversation this morning as we try and unpack what uh, these, uh, this trade agreement actually means for both South Africa and the United States is Faisal Ismail, who is the South African Goa Special Envoy and South Africa's former ambassador to the World Trade Organization. Thanks for your time this morning, Mr. Ismail. Good morning, Sakina. It's a pleasure to be on your show. And we also have with us uh, Klanti Pai, who is an economist and director at uh, Nascent's Advisory and Research. Thanks for your time as well. Uh, good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your listeners. Now, Mr. Isma, let me start with you. If we are to try and understand exactly what is at stake here, perhaps we need to go back a few steps and look at what AGOA actually is and what this agreement actually means to South Africa and to the United States. Yes, uh, Sakina, well, the uh, AGOA means uh, the African Growth and Opportunity Act. It was put in place by the United States uh, since the year 2000, and it, uh, it is a one-way preferential access regime for South Africa and uh, uh, about 38 uh, other sub-Saharan African countries to export uh, their products into the United States duty-free. And uh, it is, uh, of course, uh, something that we have uh, found to be extremely helpful and useful to, uh, for our exports into the United States. However, the, uh, the regime that was in place since 2000, it went through various uh, changes over time, and then it um, uh, was scheduled to 
to um, uh, be terminated at the end of September of this year. And uh, we, uh, as South Africa, we work together with the other sub-Saharan African countries in, uh, in Washington and uh, in bilateral discussions with the United States. And we argue that South Africa and uh, other sub-Saharan African countries should uh, be allowed to continue to use this provision, and we urge the United States to extend it uh, by a further 15 years. Uh, well, uh, we didn't get the 15 years, but we were very fortunate that um, after a lot of discussion in the U.S. Congress um, about you know the value of this program to the United States um, and uh, its relationship with Africa, the U.S. Congress decided to extend it by a further 10 years. And fortunately for South Africa, we were uh, allowed to also participate. And I say that because there was a lot of debate about whether South Africa, being a larger and more developed uh, African country, should be included this time. And after a lot of debate and uh, a lot of campaigning and lobbying from our side uh, and persuasion, the U.S. agreed to allow South Africa to participate. So it's very important um, mechanism for South Africa's uh, exports and South Africa's relationship with the United States uh, because it allows for about uh, 6,400 product lines from South Africa to be exported duty-free into the United States. Amongst these products are some very important sectors for South Africa. That includes our auto sector, so a number of our uh, auto vehicles and components are exported duty-free into the United States, uh, uh, some aluminum products, uh, some chemical products, and uh, importantly, uh, some agricultural products, which include citrus, uh, macadamia nuts, uh, and wine. So it is very important for South Africa. We, uh, we do want to stay uh, in it. Um, and uh, the debate in the press, you know, over the last... Uh, uh, say a few days and uh, indeed over the last few months, has really been about uh, the United States um, demand that, and uh, in fact the demand from its lobbies, that South Africa should also be required to make concessions to the U.S. And of course the, the loudest lobby in the U.S. has been the chicken lobby. Um, and uh, they've argued that uh, you know, South Africa unfairly blocks their uh, export of chicken legs, of uh, what is called uh, in the technical language bone in chicken pieces. And uh, they have been, uh, um, uh, just, uh, you know, um, concerned about the anti-dumping duty that South Africa has in place. Now, an anti-dumping duty um, uh, that we put in place uh, about uh, 15 years ago uh, was... Um, uh, uh, had been put in by uh, uh, South African uh, International Trade Administration Commission in terms of its regulations because it found that um, these exports of U.S. chicken pieces were coming in at prices that were lower uh, than the normal price. And uh, the reason for this is that in the U.S. they prefer chicken breast rather than chicken legs. Very unusual consumer behavior because in South Africa... I think most of us prefer the chicken legs rather than chicken breast. But uh, because of this, uh, the chicken legs come in at a much lower price. 
um, than the normal price. And uh, so we put in an anti-dumping duty, um, and this duty, of course, uh, creates a higher barrier for U.S. exports. And, of course, the U.S. chicken lobby was uh, very upset about this. And uh, there have been a lot of discussion between the U.S. and South Africa about this. And in the last few months, we have been able to reach an understanding with the U.S. poultry industry. And uh, we reached a, a breakthrough in the discussion on the 6th and 7th of June in Paris. Uh, I was present, and so were the chicken industry of South Africa, the chicken industry of the United States, the government of the United States. And uh, in terms of that agreement, uh, we uh, decided that we will open the South African market Notwithstanding the anti-dumping duty, um, we will create a rebate facility allowing uh, and a quota allowing about 65,000 tons of uh, bone-in chicken pieces to be exported every year from the U.S. to South Africa. So that was agreed. And in terms of that, we've now put the, uh, the regulations have been published by ITAC uh, on the 30th of October. There will be some consultations on it but the quota will be created to allow for this export. The most complex issue um, that we've been dealing with is what we call SPS, or phytosanitary issues. That's a technical word for animal health regulation. And, uh, you know, every country has animal health regulations at the border. The reason these regulations are in place is because when products you know, agricultural and meat products are exported from one country to another, they tend to uh, carry with them diseases um, and um, that are prevalent, you know, in different countries in the world. And so these regulations are put in place to ensure that these diseases do not cross borders. And so in, in, in the case of South Africa, we have veterinary experts in the Department of Forestry and Agriculture who have to... Uh, you know, do the necessary scientific tests to ensure that, you know, our flock, uh, in the case of chicken or our herd in the case of beef um, or, or pork, are not affected by these diseases. So the debate has been really, and the discussion has been about the technical requirements for uh, the um, animal health certificates that are required mm-hmm. to be put in place. So just how important is it for South Africa to remain a part of this agreement? Well, we consider to it uh, to be very important because um, about 40% of all South Africa's exports into the United States currently um, qualify for a GOA benefit. In other words, they go in almost all duty-free, and they include, as I said, the auto industry. Uh, BMW exports its uh, three series uh, into the U.S. duty-free, Mercedes-Benz C-Class suspended last year but will resume again um, uh, its exports of um, its uh, its C-Class Mercedes um, into the United States. Um, And then, of course, um, in aluminium and chemicals, uh, in agriculture, we have, uh, you know, I think significant exports into the U.S. market. Uh, we uh, believe that, uh, you know, both the United States and South Africa have a great interest in maintaining AGOA because AGOA has a two-way uh, positive benefit. It does also benefit the United States, even in the auto sector, where we see, you know, the facility has created the incentive for 
component produces, uh, Ford, for example, produces an engine here in South Africa, which is exported into the United States, which goes into its product line there. And we, South Africa, you know, imports a number of components from the United States, uh, which it uses in um, its own assembly and re-exports into the United States and elsewhere in the world. So there's a great deal of mutual advantage that um, and benefit that uh, arises from the workings of Goa. And this is, of course, acknowledged and recognized by uh, the U.S. Uh, in addition, uh, Goa uh, contributes to regional integration in Africa. As you know, uh, many of our neighbors are just building their industrial capacity. If you take the case of Lesotho, which has been a successful exporter of um, clothing and textiles into the United States. And many of the inputs that go into the production of Lesotho's successful export into the United States come from South Africa. Uh, similarly, you know, we import from Botswana um, uh, leather uh, car seats, which go into the um, uh, assembly of our BMW 3 Series, which are exported into the United States. So we do have, um, you know, a number of regional linkages which are facilitated by AGOA. And so that's why we've argued that um, if South Africa is withdrawn from AGOA, it will also have a negative impact on the trade of our neighbors in Southern Africa. Kantipai, what's your take on all of this? Look, I think it's very interesting. I think maybe, um, you know, one must appreciate, you know, the angle of the United States and why um, President Obama could make the statement he made. So, AGOA, I think, you know, has um, very, you know, strong undertones of development, um, of, of more than, you know, aid. So, you know, this uh, was set up really to try and assist, um, you know, African countries. And if there's a thing about it, you know, in this debate, um, that the special envoy is talking about, you know, circled around the idea of whether or not South Africa still deserved aid, so to speak. And so, you know, uh, because of the benefits that accrue to it, and that is a developed country, you know, with a developed industrial um, space, should they still be actually allowed to benefit? Now, that's quite interesting because also, on the other hand of it, you know, the U.S. was using AGOA as a way for them to advance, you know, their own international um, uh, policy. Uh, and, and so, you know, for example, you know, to be able to uh, to be eligible, the criteria includes things like you know the country must be moving towards you know human rights protections. It has to have certain economic policies, and it should you know also not be counter um, the interest of the U.S. So that's in terms of you know safety and security. And one of the things that you know come out quite clearly in um, Obama's message to Congress: I can do this, and I'm doing it because you know part of the qualifying criteria is about South Africa actually, you know, developing policies and opening for trade and allowing rather than, um, you know, restricting trade. And so, you know, we feel that, you know, South Africa, as the U.S. says, they feel that South Africa is not doing enough to open up trade, um, to, you know, to open up the free trade and move towards those policies that the U.S. thinks we should be going towards. So that is part of, you know, um, why he could say the things he wrote in that letter and the manner that he did. So it's interesting because I suppose in one sense we want to be able to say as time goes on, our trade agreements are not based on uh, on one country's ability, for example, to to say, look, I can withdraw unilaterally. But these are bilateral agreements that require both negotiation before actually a withdrawal can be made. But you know, we know that AGO is very important. It has allowed us uh, special access, and so we've been able to gain um, 
comprehensively in terms of uh, the policy itself. But one, um, you know, has to appreciate that this is an opportunity to look ahead in terms of how South Africa trades and how Africa uh, generally trades and how these trade agreements are set up in terms of more ability to think about it economically rather than um, as an aid angle that can be revoked um, at uh, instances such as this one. What was noteworthy, um, just looking at the discussions and, um, you know, some of the conversations on social media platforms around this last week, was that um, many people came out saying that they feel as though South Africa was being bullied by the United States in this regard. What uh, do you uh, do you believe that to be true? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you listen to the conversation and you follow them, you know, the the, 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 the the debate and much of uh, the negotiation between the South African government and the U.S. and obviously the, the two poultry organizations both in, at home um, and in the U.S., you would appreciate that a lot of thought has been um, put into it, a lot of negotiation, a lot of compromise has been made. Yes, you know, you could find the U.S. president, you know, pulling uh, this. So there is a little bit of strong arming there. You know, he is using the force that he can undergo to actually strong arm South Africa to agreeing perhaps to things that, you know, he doesn't want to agree with. Um, through uh, ne- the negotiation. So there is a little bit of strong, I mean, I think he, that's what he's trying to do. And um, just looking at the issue of poultry, for example, Mr. Ishmael, are we yeah. able as South Africa to produce sufficient uh, quantities of the poultry that we do need to supply the market? Yes. Well, you know, uh, my understanding is that um, South Africa does produce a, uh, you know, the bulk of its um, consumption needs. However, we, uh, we don't produce uh, um, uh, all the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the product that is required uh, by uh, our consumers. And so we do import some poultry products from the rest of the world, including the European Union, Brazil, Argentina. And so the, the, the real concern uh, that um, you know, South Africa has with the uh, imports that did come in from the United States, the bone-in chicken pieces or chicken legs, was not that, you know, um, uh, these were products that were not um, useful for the South African consumer needs, but that they were coming in at prices that were below the normal price, and therefore they were undercutting the local producers, reducing the prices, and putting out particularly some of the smaller producers out of business. And uh, you know, therefore, creating uh, you know further job losses. So this was why the dumping duty was imposed on the United States way back in the year 2000. Well, we're going to go to the lines now. Listeners wanting to weigh in. Oh eight nine one one zero one zero four two zero eight. We're talking about a goer this morning. Charles in Athlone. Good morning. Hi, Shakina, and, and your guest. Well, my my issue is, I think. One of the gentlemen um, touched on on my issue of, um, you know, the the African countries wants to actually have inter inter regional trade, and I mean with this um, sort of sword hanging over us, I'm not. I want the, the, the your guest to, to to elaborate on how do that affect that um, you know intention of, of Africa inter intercontinental trade. So that um, we're not held to ransom by the United States, where if we we, we move off, and, and how long is this um, this agreement, so that it don't don't affect um, you know the future 
because, I mean, there's billions to be made with the markets within Africa. And then, then isn't this also another issue where the, the security, um, you know, companies act is going to be implemented? And isn't this a, a sort of indirectly sort of pressure on Africa? Look here, you better fuck to the line or, you know, um, we, we, we will sort of boycott you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Charles. Uh, Sam is in Kahiso. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this is bullying. Uh, it's not like it is bullying. It is bullying. And this AGOA uh, agreement is about market access. The U.S. wants uh, access to our market without Africa getting the same access to their market. And on the issue of diseases, uh, it, it's correct that uh, the South African government uh, resists and put forward the issue of uh, diseases that could be transmitted through these uh, poultry products, especially what is called zoonotic diseases, which, is, uh, which are diseases that can be trans- transmitted from animals to, 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 to humans. And the South African government signed on to the GED agreement, General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs. And this trade agreement impacts negatively on the country's sovereignty. And I think uh, it is about time that the South African government ropes in the, the, the public because now this, when, when, when this agreement impacts on our, sovereign, on our sovereignty, then we should, we should uh, be, be in a position to, uh, uh, to, to, to decide whether we want the, those uh, free trade agreements or not. And finally, the world cannot do without Africa's minerals. And if they say they're going to impose uh, restrictions, then we don't, we, we don't, we don't import, uh, uh, we don't export our, our, our minerals to them because they cannot do without our minerals. I think they can go to hell. I'm sorry about that. Well, that's Sam in Kahiso. Strong uh, points of view coming across there. Uh, let me just read a few uh, of the SMSs and tweets as well. Lionel says, would the U.S. go against its health authorities and compromise the lives of its citizens? We are not a dumping ground. And General Chinemo says, uh, USA is such a bully by threatening to impose sanctions against South Africa. They are blackmailing us economically. And Bafedile says, um, we can't allow ourselves to be bullied all the time. They can keep their Goa. We are being raped at all times. Americans come to South Africa visa-free, and that's our Goa concession. We'll impose visa rules on them, um, uh, the ANC and their chickens. So those are some of the comments that are coming through. We're talking about Goa this morning, uh, trying to understand exactly what it entails. And our guest, uh, Faisal Ismail, who is uh, South Africa's Goa Special Envoy and South Africa's former ambassador to the World Trade Organization. And we also have with us economists and Director at Nascent's Advisory and Research, Otlanti Pai. And uh, just looking at the questions that were put to us by our callers before the break, Otlanti, let me start with you. Um, uh, Charles was talking there about, uh, you know, the impact of uh, trade packs such as these on intercontinental trade. And also, um, Sam uh, alluded to the negative impact on our sovereignty. What's your take on those? Look, I think, <coughs> excuse me, um, look, these are, uh, this trade agreement but I think it isn't the one thing or the other. As I was mentioning earlier, one wants to be at a point where they are able to trade, um, and you know, bilaterally without having to have obviously, um, you know, one party 
um, who's able to impose perhaps a belief system or way of doing things. One of the interesting things um, that I want to go back to is this idea, obviously, of whether or not South Africa has a shortage of chicken, and that's why we have to uh, bring it from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it's never the case that when people trade, um, it is because of the shortage. Remember, you know, uh, in various sectors, it doesn't matter that we have, uh, for example, we manufacture enough shoes in South Africa before we can actually have another country come and sell um, their shoes in South Africa. So it's not an issue whether or not our, you know, we have not built the capacity or we don't have enough that actually the U.S. is also exporting to South Africa. They can export as much as, as long as they can produce it cheaper and bring it to our market and compete better than we do. And really so this idea, um, yeah. That brings the question about as to what would be the impact then of removing the anti-dumping duty against U.S. chicken. It simply would destroy the local uh, economy. And one of the things that is important about it, and that's why the government is right to actually impose the anti-dumping duty, because the point of trade is not so much to actually throw out to other countries the things we don't need or the things we cannot sell in your own country. It is actually, you know, um, in a way to make sure that, you know, we all produce efficiently and effectively at the right kinds of prices and we sell what we do best. So the dumping thing is completely wrong and it is not consistent with the spirit of international trade and free trade. And so this is why the South African government has resisted and negotiated in the really good manner that it has to try and make sure that, you know, it compromises where it is possible to say, look, um, we will allow you to bring in a certain quota um, of the uh, of the chicken that you obviously don't need or you cannot sell in your own country. There's not the point that you know, you can take what you can't sell and go down to somewhere else. It does is not um, the right kind of principled kind of trade. But people do um, you know uh, are right in some way to participate in the debate and to raise um, very important issues because you do want a situation where you know uh, economic debates and political debates are taken over um, uh, by by the general public so that they understand and they actually walk. Um, the part of the debate. So, but I think that it is a bit harsh sometimes to use words like, uh, you know, uh, we are being uh, colonized through trade and all of those things. It really is that, you know, so that has to be quite strong and, uh, and move, you know, um, in a very consistent manner in terms of trying to defend itself and making sure that it gets a good deal as many other countries should. And then, uh, Mr. Ismail, when AGOA was initially sh- uh, signed into law in 2000 by uh, then uh, President Bush, what was the theme then? It was, was it tr- uh, aid, as one of our listeners uh, pointed out, and has it evolved since then? Yes. So, you know, the United States has come late um, into the, this area of preferential uh, trade because, as you know, you know, with the European, uh, uh, with Europe, uh, we've had uh, long-standing trade preferences, um, they were, you know, what used to be the Cotonou Agreement, and those, of course, have now evolved into the Economic Partnership Agreements, which are more reciprocal in nature. But uh, for a number of decades, the, the European Union has provided uh, uh, preferential market access for Africa uh, and Caribbean and Pacific countries. And so the United States came a bit late, but uh, they have provided, I think, uh, a very um, uh, useful uh, um, program, the African Growth and Opportunity Act, which was put in place in the year 2000, and as I said, it has been renewed a number of times. And this last renewal, uh, which took place at the end of June, was very important because um, it uh, has extended these AGOA benefits for another 10 years uh, for sub-Saharan Africa. And uh, we think, uh, uh, you know, AGOA is a very helpful program. 
because uh, it does, um, you know, facilitate um, and incentivize, it stimulates investment. So if you take the case of Lesotho, um, one of the main reasons that investors have gone to Lesotho to produce clothing and textile products is because of the special access that Lesotho and other sub-Saharan African countries have into the United States. So Lesotho has used this um, incentive very well and um, has expanded its, uh, you know, clothing textile sector, created uh, several hundred thousand jobs. Uh, so I, I think AGOA can play that role. Certainly in the case of South Africa, it does encourage uh, two-way trade. As I said, in the auto sector, uh, you know, it has encouraged South African exports, but also it has um, enabled um, two-way mutually beneficial trade in a number of sectors. And the case of Ford is a very good example of how, you know, we are selling components into um, the uh, OEM, which is the, you know, the, the um, global um, parent company. Um, and uh, we are importing Ford products from the U.S. into South Africa. So there's a lot of mutual trade taking place as a consequence of this trade benefit that South Africa has. Now, the so, concern, of course, that has been very... Sorry, please go ahead. Um, if we're talking now, you know, um, real terms, uh, uh, figures, bottom line, how much does South Africa actually stand to lose should this agreement, uh, this AGOA pact you know, somehow fall by the wayside? Well, look, at the moment, um, the issue that the the President of the United States has raised is uh, uh, about, um, uh, he has put our agricultural uh, AGOA benefits uh, on term. And he has said that uh, if we don't conclude this agreement um, on poultry, beef and pork by the end of this year, um, then the United States will withdraw the preferences. Now, we, are, we export about 3.7 billion rand a year of, um, uh, of agricultural products into the United States. To put this in, a, in, a, in perspective, it's, uh, it's about 2.6% of South Africa's total agricultural exports. So the U.S. is not yet a large destination for South Africa's agricultural exports. And put into another context, um, 3.7 billion rand is about uh, is, a, is a relatively small amount of our total exports to the U.S., which is about 70 billion rand. Uh, so although it's not a, a, a significant um, a number at the moment, the potential for both countries to expand agricultural exports is very high. So we've just got a foothold in the uh, U.S. citrus industry um, and certainly the wine sector. And, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about um, South Africa's regulation on agriculture. But let me tell you that um, South Africa is also interested and, and has also been negotiating market access into the U.S. for a long list of agricultural products. And uh, we are hopeful that in the years to come, we will be able to export our own chicken breast, which we think is a very high-quality product, but also beef products, lamb, ostrich, 
meat into the United States. And then, of course, as you know, we are exporting a number of agricultural deciduous fruit and citrus into the EU very successfully. Um, and uh, we have a list of products we want to get into the U.S., from apples, pears, um, leeches, uh, avocados, mangoes. Um, and all those are in line to be, um, uh, you know, to gain access into the U.S. But it has taken the U.S., I must confess, a great deal of time uh, to, um, you know, allow our products into their market. But we continue to work to this end, and we will continue to push for South Africa's agricultural products to also gain market access into the U.S. Now, Tanti, listening to that and um, considering the U.S. tone on this particular matter, um, how much of this uh, do you believe has to do with the current geopolitical situation that South Africa is pursuing? Uh, Should South Africa be looking at strengthening these trade agreements with the U.S.? And do you think that they would be more amenable to such at this point? Look, yeah, the zone that South Africa wants to continue uh, a strong uh, trade relationship with the U.S., in actual fact, you know, South Africa is constantly, um, you know, trading at a deficit in, in terms of the total, but with the U.S. we trade in a surplus, which means actually we export to them um, more than we import from them, which is a fundamentally important um, trade relationship, and that's what you actually want to gain um, in terms of a trade relationship. So this is important, and obviously, as Mr. Ishmael was saying, it is about what the potential it has as well looking at in, into the future. But of course, it is important to think, obviously, that South Africa is doing this, and it has to continually expand its trade um, you know, across the continent. That's becoming very, very important. But also the way, um, you know, it is negotiated, you know, as you say, that one of the things that should have come out of Goa over time is the idea that, you know, uh, the, the, the country does build its own uh, export capacity, its industrial capacity, its manufacturing capacity, given um, this opportunity, which is what has happened, you know, in the automotive sector. We know that that's what's going on in the agricultural sector. So that actually when this agreement does fall by the wayside, as it will, that South Africa can export independently of a need, um, you know, to have, uh, you know, tariffs dropped or to have preferential treatment, but that actually it does, in fact, compete, um, uh, you know, directly and without, you know, the assistance this sort of aid kind of uh, of incentives. So that is been important, and this is what South Africa should be continuing to do, rather than to look to say, look, we are very upset about what has happened, but rather to continue to negotiate and make sure that over time um, it is in a much stronger position, which is what the opportunity around Agoa has been. We're talking AGOA on the Forum at 8 this morning. We're asking, do we really understand what uh, AGOA entails? And breaking it down for us this morning, Faisal Ismail, who is South Africa's AGOA Special Envoy, as well as Tanti Pai, Economist and Director at uh, Nascent's Advisory and Research. Let's go back to the lines, 891 Lebuhang Peko is on the line for us. Good morning. Hi, Sakina, and to your guests and the listeners. That I think are quite interesting to make is that my my concern with the notion of bilateral agreements of this nature is that they often, as your guests have have mentioned, there's a struggle with us being able to invoke reciprocity. Um, I was recently at a, at a meeting with WTO experts, and they made it very simple. They made it very clear that European and American consumers do not, in effect, poisoned or made sick by African products, and they put it as crudely and as bluntly as that. And I think that, you know, my, 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 the, the concern that I have is the following, that number one, when we speak 
incidents of this nature. We rarely speak about the inhibiting factors that make it very difficult for African countries to, 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 to access European and American markets. Number two, the fact that the European and, and, and American markets are highly subsidized and um, they, they, give them, they give their own farmers and, and producers subsidies which they deny African producers because they claim that these are trade-distorting subsidies. Number three, that we don't really have a, a, a list of products, special products, which would be the sorts of products, especially in the realm of agriculture, that would mean that um, we are then able to protect we are then able to protect um, our own special products which impact on our own food security and food sovereignty, such as vegetables, wheat, poultry, etc. And lastly, there's nothing really exciting to me that, for the, that, that um, um, there, there are Levi genes that are being produced in Lesotho, which say made in Lesotho, and yet we have a situation where our textile industry is still traumatized. And I think that we don't really, we need to look at these in relation to the fact that we have regional trade agreements and re- regional trade blocks which are not very effective, and we're aspiring to a, a, a continental free trade agreement and a tripartite free trade agreement, which I'm sure your guests are, are very conversant with. And I always, I often have the suspicion, uh, which is the the, 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 the the input that I make at I made at this meeting, that things like these, um, these bilateral agreements, often divert us from intra-Africa trade. And as one of your guests rightly says, it shouldn't divert us from trade, but unfortunately we do spend far more time and resources, you know, building our relationships with America and the European Union, which are often extremely unfair and unequitable and do, as one of your callers or your listeners said, impact on our own policy um, sovereignty. I'd love some comments on that and I'll listen on the radio. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Sebastian is in Cape Town on the Atlantic coast. Good morning. Good morning to you. Would you allow me two points, please? Go ahead. Okay, the first is as follows. I would like to actually question whether the motor export industry from South Africa as it stands, uh, which is a major uh, component of a go and which has not been threatened uh, at the moment and which in which multinationals are involved, maybe that's why it hasn't been uh, threatened. I'd like to question whether it is actually in the interest of South Africa to have this particular motor export industry. Uh, my understanding of it is as follows, that what we are exporting is basically 60 to 70 percent composed of imported components. Um, that the government has been putting large subsidies into this industry, so we've exported South African money, and that we are also exporting cheap labor because our currency uh, continually is being devalued. At the same time, we are importing probably as many uh, vehicles from overseas as we export, so we have the capacity of switching that production uh, the import, the export actually to inter import replacement. So this, this is my bottom line question: Is this export industry for motor vehicles actually in our in, in our interest? Because it's also used as a as a, a means of pushing continue or a reason for continually devaluing our currency mm. to make our exports comp- so-called competitive, uh, which basically you benefiting 30,000 people in the motor industry and the, also the deriv- those in the derivative industries, but at the same time you're disadvantaging 55 million people in the general population. Um, the second point I'd like to make briefly is that um, the free uh, freedom from uh, tariffs of the 
goods going into the USA are not just the free handout from the USA done out of uh, gratitude and beneficence and supporting uh, developing countries. It is in the interest of the USA to have very low consumer inflation, also at a time when they're running a massive trade deficit and they're importing much more than their exports. So they want to keep the prices of consumer goods to their own consumers down uh, and and, uh, things like a go and no uh, import tariffs uh, to help to keep the, the prices down in the USA, which is what the US government wants. Thank you so much, Sebastian. Please keep listening and we'll answer those questions for you. Trust in Mukopane. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning, Trust. Thank you. Um, just a contribution. Um, I, I'm of the view that uh, Agoa is, is actually quite a, a, a very useful piece of uh, arrangement between the U.S. and Sub-Saharan Africa. And I think, uh, you know, in, in any situation, every party in a discussion or negotiation will try to put forward their own viewpoint and obviously to also assist them in their own economy. So I, I actually think that uh, while at this moment in time we can say the contribution that comes through um, uh, AGOA is, is very weak in terms of percentage and also something like three point something billion that uh, the gentleman was talking about. But it, it's very, you know, it gives us a potential platform to grow our exports from that point of view. And I think it, it basically cements the relationship that uh, Sub-Saharan Africa wants to have with the West so that at least the economies in Sub-Saharan Africa can, can be strengthened. So I think, yes, at times we can wish them away. We can say to hell with, the, with America and uh, and say Barack Obama is using strong arm tactics and what have you. But I think, you know, we also need to point out those areas that we believe we've got a competitive advantage. Good morning, Hassan Logat. I think in the next two, three months, we need to have these guys back because it's one forum where we keep them accountable. Now, my political point really is that, that I think Lebohang and others raised the issue. It seems that we continue with the same model, the big macro model, which is premised on trickle-down, that if we get our C-class cars into the States, someone we will benefit, etc. We find it very tough to see how poor people can benefit from this. And so maybe what they should point out is to, at this time or another forum, talk about our intra-African trade, our trade with Brazil and other southern countries, and let's see whether that strategy is being upped. Thank you, Hassan Logat. Well, let me read um, some of the messages coming through as well, the SMS line messages. Uh, We are now forced to accept GM foods, seed and other things we should be doing for ourselves, says that's one. Another one, if we produce more and traded internally in South Africa, uh, more than we would need, um, much less foreign exchange and we wouldn't need to export so much. This one says, AGOA is just a cosmetic exercise. How much is it contributing to South African GDP, the West and America will never help develop Africa. That's from a PK. Uh, BTS says, um, am I correct to make an assumption that this AGOA thing seems to be closer to the approach used by Bretton Woods institutions uh, wherein uh, there were const- uh, conditionalities attached to particular agreements before certain things are considered? Sigin Randberg says, I'm afraid the ANC is determined to cut SA's trade and investment from the democratic West in favor of the communist Cold War 
war allies. And then um, SA is not being bullied. Rules of the game are rules of the game. South Africa needs to understand these rules. Figuilene Bloom says Uncle Sam must keep his chicken pieces and trade agreement. We will not be bullied. Terence in Kimberley's uh, contribution. The same thing happened in Kenya and it took them almost five years for these farmers to get back on their feet. This one says, why are you not placing the consumer's position on the table? Consumers want to buy the product, the chicken, for the cheapest price provided uh, 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 quality is fine. Why must we subsidize inefficient local producers? We live in a global village. Other points uh, we seem to be missing is that our products are getting preferential access to the U.S. Uh, let's have some balance in the discussion, please. Another one, um, oh, African mentality. The Americans are helping us slap palm against the forehead. And uh, trade is not free. There's no such thing. The U.S. gives massive farm subsidies. The playing field is not level, says Nicole. And then uh, this one, we must honor our agreement timelessly um, if we want to conduct global business. And another unsigned one says this bullying has nothing to do with chicken legs, but with our relationship with Russia and China. Uh, let's just uh, get back to uh, Mr. Ismail. If you'd like to respond, uh, starting with what Lebo Hang had to say uh, and Sebastian's questions as well. Yes, well, thank you very much. Uh, well, let me first say that, uh, you know, on the issue about Africa and its exports, into Europe and the United States. I can't agree more with the first speaker about, you know, the high barriers to entry, the so-called non-tariff barriers. And these days, you know, in agricultural products, the main non-tariff barrier, uh, you know, appears to be these uh, SPS issues, phytosanitary issues or animal health or plant health issues. And it's partly because of the great complexity. And, you know, as we have discovered now in our discussion with the United States, um, and uh, the, um, uh, the the science uh, base that is required and the technical requirements that the country needs to have in place to ensure that it both meets the standards at home, but also it um, uh, can export um, the product at the right quality um, and uh, the the right standards that uh, you know our trading partners in Europe or the United States expect of us. Uh, and often, you know, um, uh, African countries can't meet those requirements because they don't have the infrastructure at home to ensure that their uh, exports meet the, the quality. So I agree with the first speaker. Uh, I think that um, the issue about um, balance uh, is, is probably the most important. This is a negotiation with the United States. Um, although AGOA is a one-way Preferential regime. The United States has called for, you know, some payment for that, some reciprocity, and therefore it's asked for, you know, South Africa to also open its market to the U.S. poultry, beef, and pork um, agricultural sectors. Um, and we have agreed, um, you know, to make this compromise in the interest of the larger picture, because on the whole, South Africa will benefit. We have also argued that AGOA, it's not a one-way street. And when you look at it carefully, it is actually of benefit to the United States as well. There, there has been a study, a Brookings study, uh, which is um, uh, an institute in Washington, that um, uh, you know um, said that um, the United States will gain about 100,000 jobs from AGOA 
and in South Africa gains about 65,000 jobs in Kamagoa. All right. So, um, unfortunately, you know, what the numbers tell us. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah, we, we, we have to wrap it very briefly. Okay. So uh, our argument is that this is a mutually beneficial trade agreement. Uh, we have complied with all the requirements that uh, we are supposed to. There are some very minor technical issues that remain to ensure that South Africa will keep its place in Goa, and we will conclude those discussions in the next uh, few days. And uh, we hope that uh, we will be able to then build on this platform to further strengthen the relationship, the economic relationship with the United States to the mutual benefit of South Africa and the U.S. Well, thank you so much. As Hassan Logat uh, said, we should perhaps follow up on this at a later stage. Glanty Pai, thanks for your time as well this morning alongside uh, Faisal Ismail on our panel and to our listeners for participating as fantastically as always. It's a minute after nine. Kumbuzile Tabete is standing by with the news.